to our brand new podcast um, where we're going to talk all things nutrition and diet culture and everything in between. And Rachel will tell you all a little bit more about what we're going to do here. Yes. Hey, everyone. So I'm Rachel. Um, I'm a registered dietitian and um, we're going to be talking like Annifer said, all about nutrition. And we're really going to dive into topics that aren't talked about a lot, or maybe they're talked about, but not talked about enough and answer a lot of questions that we hear on a daily, weekly basis from clients um, to really help people unearth and find the best, the best formula for them when it comes to nutrition, what's going to make you the happiest and the healthiest. And that's what we hear all the time from clients. Yeah. My name's Annifer. I'm also a registered dietitian, but I met Rachel last year and I loved that she was interested in intuitive eating, but at the end of the day, she was a dietitian who really mostly cares about the individual's progress more than her own beliefs or philosophies of um, what is the best protocol for nutrition. Um, so I kind of consider myself like a libertarian in the, in the like nutrition space, even though I'm very much um, a fan of intuitive eating. Um, I still think at the end of the day, it's all about the individual and what works for them versus like my philosophy and what worked for me or what worked for a past client. Um, and I can see that Rachel's very much like that too. So we are going to go into this podcast with open minds, with very vulnerable and genuine experiences um, from ourselves, um, take from what we've learned from our clients and give y'all an uh, as much unbiased um, take on this as we can. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, Annifer and I met, like she said, like last year at the hospital we were working at and um, we both have the same beliefs, but kind of a different a different take on them, which I think is so fantastic because everyone's different. And just like Annifer said, you know, we, you have to take a different approach for each person. Everyone is different. Like one diet isn't going to work for the person down the street, like it is for you. Um, and so that individualized approach is what we hope to convey in this podcast. Um, and hopefully y'all take a little bit for yourself too, from each episode. Um, so let's start and talk about food guilt? Does that sound yeah. good? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So why did we feel like it was important to start with food guilt, Rachel? Because it's something that I hear every single day. And not only that, something that I still struggle with and I'm a trained dietitian and, you know, it's, it's an ongoing, not a battle, but an ongoing learning experience from a day-to-day -day basis, having to sift through new diet trends and things like that. And, oh my gosh, should I feel guilty about this iced coffee that I got with, you know, extra sugar? Um, so it's, I think it's so important because it's something very close to home for, I know myself, um, and also my clients. Annifer, would you say the same? Like, do you feel like? Yeah, absolutely. So it's definitely something I used to experience a lot, um, and what I'm starting to see food guilt as is, cause I still experience guilt, but in non-diet ways. So say I set out to do yoga every day and then I don't end up doing yoga at all. Like I feel guilty and I feel like, so I think it's so important to talk about food guilt because it's a very valid thing to do is you set out for a goal, you set out for a plan and then you don't your actions don't reflect your intentions. And that is a very um, 
it causes a lot of turmoil in all of us. So what I want to talk about is um, why food guilt is so prevalent and why like it is a valid thing, but why it's not really about the food and how common it is to feel like off course when you set out to do something and, and um, succeed in something. Yeah. Um, and I think going off of that, oftentimes we don't look at the habit itself or the reasoning why we're doing something. And if we're not looking at that first and foremost, then it doesn't matter what we choose to eat. Because if we don't have those appropriate habits or um, we don't know what's going to work best for ourselves, maybe we can't fit in activity every single day. Yes. It's okay. Like you don't have to do that every day to be healthy. And, you know, that's another thing we'll dive into in a future episode is, you know, what is health? What health does it mean? Reality. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I agree. And, and I feel like that I, I agree. I also experience guilt in other areas other than food too. You know, if I miss a workout, oh my gosh, but I think it's learning how to talk yourself, not out of it because it's okay to feel a certain way. It's okay to feel that guilt and embrace it, but how can we build onto it? How can we kind of take that step forward rather than just getting stuck in this? Run? Yeah, definitely. What I see the most in people who are stuck in diet culture is that the guilt is more unproductive than it is productive. Cause I think guilt has a place in all of our lives. Otherwise I don't see the point of us feeling that emotion, but I tend to see it leads to binging. It leads to giving up, but it can also lead to this conversation where we say like, Hey, actually there was no room for guilt in you eating this because it's actually not doing anything wrong to your body. So let's reevaluate your idea of what's bad and good. Yeah. So that leads us to the topic of the day too. Yes. Yes. Bad and good foods. Yes. Um, and also, well, you know, figuring out what your rule book is overcoming that rule book, you know, Annifert, how do you feel about like setting rules around food as it relates to, to food guilt and, and good and bad foods? Yeah. So starting my nutrition career back when I was a student, you for sure are very black and white in this field. Like there's good foods and the, these are going to be the healthy ones. These are going to be the ones that make you skinny. And they're going to be like, you know, the Mecca of what your diet should be. And then there's bad foods and all you have to do is avoid the bad foods and eat the good foods and you're set, right? Mm -hmm. And then you start taking more classes. You start learning that like, wait a minute, these foods that were on my bad list actually have all these benefits. I'm super confused. And then you start seeing these good foods every other year. There's like new data that shows like, oh, this food actually isn't that good because it had this one component that now has cancer or it's not that good because it, whatever it may be. Like every year the science is changing. So I'm so lucky that I studied this field because it shook me up to be like, wait a minute, it's not perfectly black and white, but it's also like, oh, thank God I don't have to have these good foods that I have to eat and the bad foods that I have to avoid. Yeah, um, definitely. I think, you know, putting labels on foods right off the bat sets these rules for yourself that if you don't follow them then you feel guilty and then when you feel guilty, it's like why yeah and, and then if you feel <laughs> guilty no reason. You set more rules for yourself 
right? And if you set more rules for yourself, then it's that constant cycle of just continuing to get more restrictive, which doesn't allow you to live life, doesn't allow you to go over a friends for pizza, you know, doesn't allow you to be adaptable and flexible. So, you know, I think it's important to kind of dive into what constitutes a good or a bad food. Um, but I think, you know, what we're really going to kind of get to is there are no bad foods. And, and it's thinking about what's that food actually doing for your body, right? Like that's the solution. And that's what I encourage all of my clients to do. That's what I encourage y'all to do. That's what I have to do on a daily basis is, well, you know, what is this carrot doing for me? You know, because, you know, there are some people that think carrots are really high in sugar and it's like, okay, there's sugar in there, but what else is it doing for my body? Um, thinking the same way about any type of food, because we all are going to associate, you know, bad with certain foods like Anna for growing up or just kind of through your experience as a dietitian, what were some of those foods that, oh my gosh, were bad. Okay. I remember thinking black beans were bad. They're by far my favorite food right now and have been for the past like 10 years. Thank God, ever since I like started to become more knowledgeable. Mm -hmm. But like, yeah, I thought like Mexican food, bad, black beans, bad, meat, bad, tortillas, bad, right? So there goes my whole like culture's diet. Mm -hmm. But that's what I thought when I first started learning nutrition. And there was no real like, it's not like I found that in a textbook. It was more like diet culture, just morphing with my studies. So I was probably mixing things like, you know, be careful going to the Mexican restaurants or like the saturated fat that you cook your beans in or the high carb that are in beans. Like, yeah, yeah it's like, it doesn't matter what's targeted. It could have gotten demonized in any type of way. And not only that, I'm not even going to say it's the, um, American diet culture that demonized it it's a lot of the Mexicans like oh we're ch we're all chubby because we eat black beans or whatever and it's like this ongoing joke and it starts to seep into your rule book like you don't even realize it same with tortillas probably the fact that they're carbs like yeah it's just and then you go from like flour tortillas to corn tortillas and then corn tortillas is too much carbs so then you're just like no tortilla and then it's just yeah, never. And then you kind of like come out of this thinking thing and you're like, what is real? Yes, yes. <laughs> I'm so deep into it. Like what is okay to eat and what isn't, right? Yes, yes. And, and that's mainly, you know, what a lot of people ask me, like, Rachel, tell me what to eat. And I'm like, well, I can't do that because, you know, you need to decide that at the end of the day. And Anna, for something I heard you say was, um, you know, how you're like your family kind of like demonized for lack of a better word, um, the black beans because they cause weight gain. Well, that's what it was for me. I had a lot of bad foods because I was scared to gain weight. I was scared specifically in college as I'm, you know, learning to be a dietitian, learning about all these different foods. Um, you know, I would avoid certain social situations because I was like, oh my God, like, okay, yes. I don't want to have too much alcohol because if I get drunk, then I'm going to get the cheese fries and then I'm going to, you know, and um, that was really hard. And it's not that I thought those foods were bad. No, I guess I did. I thought they were bad because I thought they would, <laughs> which, right. You know, which that will be something we talk about in another episode is, you know, weight gain isn't bad. Um, yeah. so, you know, I encourage y'all to think about that because I feel like oftentimes, like Annifer, you mentioned, you know, these foods being associated with skinny and these foods be associating with like 
I don't know, whatever it may be. Yeah, it's like, it's, but, you, you can't even put our finger on it because it doesn't actually make sense when you like say it out loud. No, but it's, it's, in our, it's deeply rooted in our body. Deeply beliefs. rooted that skinny is healthy and that's not, I don't even like the word skinny. Like, I feel like this, the word skinny is worse than the word moist. Um, <laughs> we're getting off topic, but I don't like that word um, for many reasons. So, so that's where my bad foods came from. I feel like it was those high carb foods, but it was also, oh my God, I didn't eat chips for years. Yeah. Reasoning behind that, my father had heart surgery and I associated the chips with worsened health, but you know, I eat chips now and I love chips and they're one of my favorite foods. Um, so yeah, I, I just feel like okay. reflecting on the good and bad foods is super important to your health. This is actually a good opportunity to highlight the differences between me and Rachel and how it's going to <laughs> make this helpful because I was different in college. I also had a bunch of food rolls, but I had, um, she was healthier in the sense that she was like, I'm not going to drink that much because it will lead to the French fries. Mine was like, behave all day, binge drink, get wasted and eat a bunch of pizza. Like one time, like, kid you not, I was so about the pizza at the end of the night because I felt like that was the only way I like earned it because I wouldn't let myself have it sober. I would go up to random people on 6th Street in Austin and I'm just going to say this. I would ask random people for a bite of their pizza. Like it was so disordered how much I like put this pizza on a pedestal ever since I like, because I learned about intuitive eating many years ago too. And it was a very like, it was very hard to grasp both at the same time, like be learning nutrition and intuitive eating at the same time. Cause I was like, what is real? Um, but now that I feel like I'm like very settled in it, I'm like, I never crave drunk food anymore. I let myself have the pizza whenever the heck I want. It no longer takes any kind of pedestal when I'm drinking. I'm like rarely ever thinking about food or I just want something there. Like but like, God, the difference between then and now is it's a black and white. Like I was all about the food at the end of the night. Yeah. And what I'm hearing you say is, um, and it really, you know, hits home with me too, is um, allowing yourself to have food whenever you want it and honoring your hunger, which is a principle of intuitive eating. Right. And um, that is so crucial that it's okay if you want cake or pizza. And I used to have that little, a little bit of that restriction too in college. I feel like a lot of these habits kind of come out in college because you're starting to become your own person. You're starting, you know, to really um, figure out your identity and things like that. And, and let's be honest, it was a lot of our class, our curriculum yes. it, as dietitians. Yeah. Yes, definitely. But um, that's, I, I appreciate you sharing all of that because I feel like that hits home with a lot of people, not even when we're drinking not even when we're partying on a daily basis yeah. of, oh, I'm going to skip breakfast and lunch because I want to eat everything at dinner. Yeah, you yeah. eat everything at all three meals. Yes. You know? And, and then there's, there's the fatigue, there's the stomach ache, there's the nausea that comes on that we're like, well, oh, I feel sick. I can't eat. Well, you feel sick because you didn't eat. Um, and so I think that restriction is such a big thing and it, oftentimes comes from having bad foods and associating, oh my gosh, I can't have the tortillas. I have so many clients that will not eat tortillas, but they'll have maybe ice cream or another type of carb at the end of the night. But because 
they're like, no, no, I can't do that. Well, maybe if you did, then maybe you wouldn't crave the ice cream as much, or maybe you still would, but maybe, you know, you would allow yourself and feel, not feel guilty, not feel guilty. Yeah, yeah. totally. Um, and I think that it's important for Rachel and I to just like emphasize that we've both in different in our own unique ways been in the shoes of our clients yes like where we had these irrational rules um that felt very safe at the time yes mm-hmm. um and it just it was a long time coming like for me I swear it was like 10 years for me to evolve into like a healthy relationship with food yeah. um so I tend to allow my clients to be gentle with themselves I don't ever expect to see results in even a year mm-hmm. I do see a lot of results in a year <laughs> but I I also expect it to be like kind of a mess it's never going to be just a linear like improve improvement of relationship with food there's going to be like a lot of turmoil that comes up and a lot of like questioning like wait but are you sure this is okay for me to do and like it it brings up a lot of concerns because you're trying to do what I did in 10 years in like a short amount of time. Yes. Yes. The, the patience is something that is so crucial. Um, you know, this is something you have to do every single day. And, and when I say something, I mean, what we're talking about right now is, is having a good relationship with food, because if you do that, you can do anything. Like you can really reach for any type of health goal you might have, whether that be, you know, um, improving blood sugar, um, totally. you know, like getting to, um, oh, I don't even want to say weight, getting to um, a place in your life or a place in your body where you feel at home, right? Totally. That all getting to a certain up. level of strength. Yeah. Yes. Um, that all, you know, really derives from having a good relationship with food. Yeah. And, um, yeah. So let's talk about how do you throw away your rule book or how do you like overcome your rule book? For me personally, and from a lot of my client experiences, um, it's being flexible and adaptable in any type of situation, because if you're able to give yourself some grace is what I like to say, like, give yourself a break. Um, it's okay if you didn't have vegetables at every meal. It's okay if you wanted ice cream three nights in a row. It's okay if you couldn't achieve your gym goal this week. Well, what are you doing in that moment to still to still feel like you're moving towards your goals, whatever they may be? But it's that flexibility that is so crucial because if we're not flexible, then it becomes restriction. Then it becomes a not allowing ourselves to live. And that's also an aspect of health that we need. We need yeah. to be able to spend time with others and, and do different things and have variety. Totally. Yeah. So I'm going to have two things to say about that. So I think the flexibility is crucial and it like just vital in this process, but I think the accountability goes hand in hand with that flexibility because when we're flexible with ourselves without that support, we just question like our tangents that we go off on or like we question like, am I being too gentle on myself? Am I being too forgiving? And sometimes that accountability is from an expert is like what you need to feel good to move forward rather than move backward. And then another thing I wanted to say is my take on how to question or how to throw out your rule book is deep, like 
do a deep dive on those foods that are on your rule book list and see how actually credible and valid your um, reason for dubbing that food as bad actually is, right? So like me with the black beans, I can see clear as day that that's not supposed to be on my food rule list. I don't even have a food rule list anymore. Let's just get that out. But if I were working through it at the time, I'd probably have like some foods would still be on my rule list. Some would like definitely make their way onto the food freedom list. Um, like now I can see it clear as day, but when I was in it, I couldn't, right? So like break those foods down, see like, why the heck am I eliminating these? Of course, there's going to be tons of research that can probably um, like uphold that as a bad food, but there's going to be way more research that's going to like not demonize that food than there is research that does demonize that food. It doesn't matter what your food is. There's going to be way more research. Let's, let's take sugar, for example. There is way more research on sugar saving my patients' lives through an IV or through a tube feed than there is on sugar killing anybody, yeah. right? So that's just one example. If you really want to take sugar off your food roll list, like do the research, get with an expert if you need to, to like neutralize that food for you. Yeah. Um, I think those are fantastic points. And, you know, uh, what Annifer is really saying or what I'm hearing is like, really pay attention to what you're eating, not in a way where it's like, oh, I can only have this or this. It's, oh my gosh, I can have everything. What is this mm -hmm. going to do for me? Like what is in this food? Like some person might really yeah. need sugar. If you're looking at someone who works outside all day in the sun, like we're in Texas, it is hot here. Not right now, but it is hot here. You know, you're going to be sweating a lot. You need sugar, which is a carbohydrate, you know? Oh my gosh. That was another one of my bad foods was Gatorade that had sugar. Oh yes. Me too. Gatorade zero for days. And yeah. guess what's a good food now for most people in diet culture, IV liquid IV. Uh-huh. Yep. It's Which like these has sugar don't on make sense. Yes. Yes. They, they don't make yeah. sense. It's, it's, you know, we're basing it off of a lot of trends in the past that there's not a lot of research behind them where there is like, let's take the keto diet, for example, which, you know, is, is high in fats, um, low in carbs, minimal in protein, um, but high enough, you know, that was for individuals with epilepsy and it worked tremendously, but now we've turned it into a diet because it cuts out a food group and it restricts calories. Um, but with that being said, people who like the keto lifestyle, maybe they do enjoy, it's more satiating for them to have higher fat foods. Um, their fat, fat is good for them. They like fat, right? And carbs are bad. Whereas you have, you know, individuals maybe that are um, on the carnivore diet and it's all meat and all high protein, like they're still going to kind of demonize those carbs. But then you have individuals following the Mediterranean diet who want all the carbs in the world. They want all the vegetables and whole grains. And so that's where being open-minded and realizing like, okay, start off by saying there are no bad foods. What is this fat going to do for me in this meal? Is adding avocado, even if it's not, you know, low carb, low, I don't even know anymore, but adding that avocado, is it going to make me feel more full? Is it going to make me feel more satisfied with my meal? Then add the avocado, regardless of what diet or what rules are in your rule book. Yeah. And I think like we don't, maybe we think we pick keto or we pick carnivore or we pick Mediterranean for health reasons. But at the end of the day, we stick to them because it becomes a cultural for it. Like it yes. becomes like 
almost our religion. And there's so much research to back this up. Like dieting does kind of become the way, like it, it satisfies what a religion satisfies for people, yes. right? You've safe. got some safe places to live, like rules mm-hmm. to live by. You've got community, right? Cause you're on a Facebook group with keto or you're talking to your best friends or your family who's also doing keto, right? So it's like a social thing. It's, there's this whole, anyways, point being, so it is going to be hard if you are gun ho keto, even if you can question like, okay, how bad is this carbohydrate food really? Like, even if you can see yourself like taking it off of your bad foods list, mm-hmm. it's still going to be hard to break out of that culture oh, yes. culturally. Right. And then yes. like, it's, yeah, it's challenging. socially, you know, it's funny you bring up keto and having carbs. And I actually have a client right now who came to me because she wanted to get off the keto diet. And she's like, I want to be, I want to eat normally and like feel healthy and maintain the weight that I've lost. Like I feel awesome. And it took a lot of trust in, you know, me as a provider, but also herself. And I think that's a lot of times we're scared to not have those rules or not see end results in other people. Um, and that's oftentimes what diets do for us because we see the results of keto in another person. But we have to remember that we're not that person. Totally. Yes, we're so different. And that's where that individualized approach is so crucial. But um, And I think it's so nice that you're um, giving that behind the scenes of a person who's lost all this weight. Like they are willing to pay like good money to sit with you weekly to undo this trap that they've just put themselves in, right? Because what I hear from people who say like, oh, but they did this diet and lost a ton of weight, or I used to do this diet and it worked for me. It's like, but what about after the diet? Can we, yes, like the misery and just feeling of of like, I don't trust myself with food. I don't trust that I can leave this. Like that is why I have the job that I have is to either help prevent people going into that, or like you said, help someone come out of it. Yes. Because it's hard to come out of. It's so hard. The number of times she would ask me, are you sure it's okay to have bread? Are you sure it's okay to have? A yes. Are you sure it's okay? I can go and have these French fries. And, um, you know, it, it took a lot of trust, but it's, but thankfully she's going to really have that long-term health goal achieved. Right. And hers particularly was changing weight. And so she's going to be so much more successful. Cause just like you said, Annifer, when the diet stops or when you get sick of it because it's too restrictive, where do you go from there? Then you're just lost. And then you feel, here's another form of feeling guilt, feeling like it's your fault when, you know, the diet failed you, you didn't fail the diet. Totally. Totally. And I've had a client who considered herself non-diet. She didn't, she said she had been on every kind of diet on the planet. Like it was like vegan, um, Mediterranean, keto, intermittent fasting, you name it. And she said, she's like the healthy one of her friend group, but she's not on a diet. When we dove deeper, the amount of foods on her bad list, the amount of restrictions that she had was so limiting. She wasn't even eating healthy. Right. But yet she was seen as the healthy one of her friend group and of her family because of all these diets that she had been on. But if you look at what she actually ends up eating, because there's so many restrictions, but there's like such a limited things that she's allowed to eat, 
and this goes for most of my clients, it doesn't end up even being healthy food, right? Because of what we said about like how so many bad foods have good qualities and how so many good foods have bad qualities. It's just a made up like combination of foods that we end up with once we restrict all this stuff. Yeah. Um, So that was incredibly hard for her to be like, are you sure I can have this food? And like, I'm afraid that if I allow myself to have that food, I'm going to just binge on it all day. And like helping her see it through as like, we kind of like drew out a curve and said like, here's how much the temptation is going to go up now that you allow it, but you have to see it through to go past that. Mm -hmm. Otherwise you're just going to keep slipping back. If you never see it through, you're just going to keep going back. And that's always going to be an uphill battle for you. Um, You know, the, the patience and the time that these things take um, to truly have a good relationship with food and to truly identify those foods that could be bad in your head. And remember, you might be listening to this right now and being like, I don't think any foods are bad. I don't have a list. You might not know you do. Okay. Mm-hmm. I had That's a friend, so common. I had a friend, I was in my dietetic internship and I had a very dear friend say to me, Rachel, you're being really restrictive with foods. I was counting macros. That can be another conversation. Um, I didn't really realize, like I had convinced myself, you know, and I'm almost a dietitian at that point, um, that that was okay, but I was, I was miserable. I wasn't happy. And, you know, those can be little, little um, light bulbs that go off. Like, wow, why am I not feeling good lately? Like what's going on? Why am I stressed out? you might be restricting when you don't know it. So having this conversation with yourself and realizing you don't have to call a food bad to avoid it. Um, So yeah, it's, it's hard. It's really hard. And it's, like I said, it's still an everyday, like learning thing. Do I feel like I am way different than I was 10 years ago? Absolutely. Absolutely. If I want Kraft Mac and cheese, I'll have Kraft Mac and cheese. And you know, when you truly listen to your body, you will start to crave those foods that you never thought that you would crave. Like if you have a goal to eat more vegetables, well, maybe open up that food freedom and allow yourself to have whatever you want. And you might actually end up choosing more vegetables. Totally. But that's an unlearning process for sure. But yes, you might genuinely at your core be choosing like these foods that you didn't think you would choose right? Like you thought that you were only eating these salads or vegetables because they were the good foods and because, right. But really you might, your body might be wanting them, but you haven't let yourself listen to your body yet. Um, but that has to be genuine. It has to come from a lot of unlearning. Otherwise you're going to still be like lying to yourself and being like, no, I'm eating this because I want to. And really it's a food rule. Um, But along the lines of like you being vulnerable about how you were as a dietetic intern, I was also one thing that helped me evaluate my relationship with food because I was never on a diet. I never blatantly called foods. I mean, I definitely used to call foods good or bad, but like to really evaluate where I stood, I would start noticing people around me and start saying, am I really healthier than them? Because look at all these things I'm doing to be healthier. Am I really healthier? you know what I mean? And then that would help me realize like, oh, maybe I can, I just need to shift. You know, I didn't know which direction it needed to be. Um, definitely like getting way more relaxed on like all my health ambitions helped me be healthier, but I didn't know that that's what it would take. Right. Yeah. And I think it's important as dietitians to like sit here. And I know Annifer's on the same page with me for this. Like 
health is more than just your food and your exercise. So if you look at a map of health, you're seeing that there's so much more. It's your sleep quality. It's your financial situation. It's your social situation. Um, it's everything, your mental health, like it, food and exercise are just two things. And I feel like we focus so heavily and we create lists around those, but Anifer, just like you said, when you kind of like let go of some of those, or maybe fo- took time to focus on other things, you became healthier. And I think that mm-hmm. kind of dives into, are we truly healthy at the end of the day? What what does health even mean? Like what, and, and I think what's important to highlight is it's different for everyone. Your healthy is not mm-hmm. my healthy. Right. Um, we're, we're two very different people. We're still dietitians, but that's why, you know, taking the time to really talk to someone and talking to yourself about what's really going to make you happy. I'm a dessert person. I need dessert every single night. And Same. do I have it? Like hundred percent. I do. It makes me really happy. And I find that it sets me up for the next day. So I'm not, you know, it's, but some nights I don't have dessert because I don't want it, but because I allow myself to have it whenever I really want it, it's, it's, it's a balancing act and it takes time and it's, and we're yeah. not by any means, like we're yeah. not perfect by any means, but, um, I think this yes, I am. is so, <laughs> so worth it, you know? Yeah, totally. And along the lines of like, what is help health? You have to remember you're operating in a system with a lot of factors that you cannot control. So us being dietitians, we can help with the nutrition part, right? But like you are operating in this world, right? In with a gazillion factors that you can't control where you're born, where you're living, who your friends are like, I mean, I guess to an extent you can control like the people around you, but, um, but yeah, so letting go of that desire to have perfect health can actually help a lot with your health because there's a lot of like acceptance there. And then you can focus on the things that you actually can control, but then that leads a lot of people to only think about diet and exercise because that's often preached as something that you can control. But what I end up seeing, and I don't know if this is true for you, Rachel, but like what I end up seeing in my clients is those that are like dubbed as the healthy ones of their friends don't have healthier diets objectively. It's just that they get really sucked into diet culture. They get really sucked into the podcast, the magazine articles, the like whole foods, like just these, these things that distort what they think is healthy. And they end up eating in such a funny way that like, and I can see that because I can say that because I was totally there right but it's not healthier and yet that's their identity and that's they've gone so deep into it that like they just swear that they're the healthiest one that they're friends so so what do you think that line is I think this is an interesting thing that you brought up right like you had said but objectively like their diet isn't healthy so is it you know an aspect of are you noticing like restriction are you noticing mm. choice? Because people, I, I believe, and I practice that people can have different eating patterns. If you're not a breakfast person, okay, you know, let's look at that, right? Are you not right. a breakfast why? person? Why? Yeah. Because you're waking up nauseous because maybe you haven't eaten in a while. Like, why are you, are you stressed in the morning? Is breakfast going to make you have a better day? But, you know, some people just want to have, you know, two meals and three snacks in the day. Okay, that's fine. But what's the foundation? So like, what are you seeing? Like maybe specifically in that client that toes that line of not yeah. being healthy mm. 
the restriction. I should say those clients because okay. it's the majority. Mm -hmm. um, but first of all, you can see how is their health objectively? Is their health stellar? Then maybe their diet is the healthy one. But the number one indicator of whether my clients are actually healthier is like, how is their health objectively? And then I can say like, okay, that diet clearly isn't healthy, but yes, when I'm just looking at the diet and not the big picture of like how my client is in their overall health, it tends to be very restrictive, incredibly restrictive. And they don't even realize it, but because they're so interested in nutrition, they've got all these subtle cues of like what to eat and what not to eat. And it yeah. ends up being um, a very restrictive diet. It ends up being, um, there's a lot of like glorified foods that they swear are going to make them healthier and a lot of um, one food foods that they shouldn't have. Yes. Yes. Um, there's yeah. So it's kind of a, it's, it's different because every client has a different diet, but typically there's a lot of the extremes too, right? Like, yeah, I don't know. There's no, a lot of extreme thinking in yes, I hear why you. they eat what they eat. Yes. And, and sometimes like I'm sure you experience this, but listening to the language of when my clients are saying, you know, telling me about themselves and what they're eating, um, they'll be like, well, you know, I, I have to have this every day or like, this is a must. And it could be because of preference, but I think too, you know, those extremes are something that's important to think about and reflect for yourself. Like, are you forcing yourself to eat a certain food? Maybe when you truly don't want it. Um, are you forcing yourself to eat a snack when you truly don't want one? And, and sometimes, you know, it's that line between maybe you actually need a snack and we're getting past that comfort level of allowing yourself to have a snack. And so you feel that forceful in that moment, but it could also be, you know, maybe you're not hungry. Like, let's try to get down to that intuitive eating approach, right? Which is not for everyone, but do I think people can benefit from certain aspects? Totally, yeah. Totally, hands yes. down. But it's finding out what aspects. But yeah, it, it, I just posed a very difficult question for you. Like, what is it that's unhealthy? But I think it's important to think that like unhealthy and healthy, the definitions vary for, from person to person. All the time. All the from time. Food, yeah. And like from, from year to year, from food to food. Yeah. Like it's just, it's, it's a very abstract thing that we try to simplify and it doesn't work in our favor very often. And, and do I think there are some, like for me, there are some um, areas that aren't gray, like fruits and vegetables. I, I, to me, in my approach, I think they're so beneficial. I think they're really healthy foods. And I think, you know, I think everyone, I hope they can enjoy them in their daily intake. Um, but you know, if you're a picky eater and you really struggle with trying totally, to then it's not a big deal. So hard. It's, it's not a big deal. And no, I'm saying you know, it's not a big deal if you're not eating those, right? Cause yes, what not, is more beneficial to your health you at that point? and your health. And I completely agree. Right. You know, if like you can be healthy eating a diet of chicken nuggets and like, you know, different you things can. You, you can. Um, but like it, it's, that's where we have to measure your aspirations. What do you want? You know, is it going to be beneficial to have some more fruits and veggies? Yes. But like, can you still be healthy and not have those things? Yeah. And yeah. it's, it's, yeah, it's hard. This goes along with like why I started to question my food rules because I started to realize a lot of the foods on my food rules are actually fortified 
with the same nutrients that I would be paying like $30 for at the vitamin idle, right? So like chicken nuggets, if you look at those ingredients, a lot of them are fortified foods that are like food industry, as much as I resent our food industry for so many things like lobbying and subsidized foods, especially, but um, our food industry already pumps that stuff up with vitamins and minerals that I know I'll be getting what I need because the FDA or the USDA said like, hey, we need to give this to Americans in their cheap, affordable foods, right? Yeah. So like those cereals that we're giving our kids, those chicken nuggets, they're not actually the devil, the way diet culture says that they are in the way I used to think they were. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I think it's important to, you know, you can achieve your health goals, whatever they may be on a budget too. Like eating healthy or being your version of health does not have to be expensive. We and should totally talk budget on another episode because yeah, this is, I'm the stingiest person. And well, it's, it's important. I'm not trying to, you know, break someone's bank. Oh, you got to go buy an RX bar, you know? Yeah. Um, you don't have to do that. There's special K protein right down the road. You know, it's a dollar less. Right. <laughs> Good. And so, right. you know, and yeah, that's where it, Oh, I don't know where I'm going with that, but yeah, we should totally talk budget and marketing in another episode to say like, yeah, just things that are marketed well and uh, being glorified as the good foods. And then thus I must spend money on it. And it's not yes. the case. Yes. Anyways, guys. Well, yeah, I think that basically, what do you think, Rachel? I, I think that we really put a lot of great things out there for y'all to think about. Um, this, you know, nutrition is I, I think one of the most challenging um, areas of just not only career, but also like in your life personally, um, we always feel like we have to be better and that's not true. So, mm -hmm. you know, like I said, give yourself a break um, and listen to the things we said today and think about how they might relate to you. Some things might, some things might not. Totally. Um, and, you know, we're, we're going to dive deeper into these things. We're going to talk about weight. That's a big big episode in the future of weight and you know everybody's okay literally yeah. not body but everybody is okay is perfect the way it yeah. is you know I think that's another important thing and then um and we're definitely open to suggestions if y'all have any questions or like you have a topic that you want us to talk about hit us up we'll do our investigation on it and give y'all a good a good episode to chew on it definitely yeah to chew on it and um yeah, this is definitely a long time overdue. And me and Annifer are so excited to really have a conversation. This isn't a lecture. This isn't teaching. This is us in the raw having a yes. conversation about not only ourselves, but, but you guys and all the stuff that you have to endure on a daily basis. So literally so much. It's just, it's a chaotic mess. Our field is so yes. hopefully this was helpful. Yes. Um, we love you guys already. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding um thank you guys so much for tuning in today and remember to chew on it yeah <laughs> bye bye <laughs>